Okay. My name is James. And I'm Matt. And we're We're talking about about games these days. adventure horror game mm-hmm. first person yeah i saw first person adventure horror is the the genre on steam although people are of course using the derogatory term walking simulator yeah and i was trying to think i th- like i don't know how recent of a term that is but i do definitely remember hearing it pop up around the time that this came out yeah I think there's there's like that Gone Home game mm-hmm. and like a couple others that all feel like they came out right around this time period. Yeah. This time period being like 2014, 2015. Yeah. So this was originally released for PC um, in 2014 uh, by a company called The Astronauts, mm-hmm. um, which is made up of like three people from the um, game studio People Can Fly. Mm-hmm. Who did a little bit of work on Gears of War, mm. among other games. Also, uh, Painkiller. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. That was kind of their big thing, I think. Which is funny, because in some ways that's completely different in tone than this is. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then later it was re-released um, in 2015 in an updated version for uh, PC and then most recent generation consoles. Uh, specifically updated with the Unreal 4 engine. Yeah. Uh, but also, I, I know that there are a couple of quality of life, imp- uh, quality of life improvements made. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I have to admit, like, I didn't see the old version, but it does look really pretty yeah. on Unreal 4, mm-hmm. for what it's worth. Um, I was also reading that there is a there is a book that, like, a little bit inspired it called An Occurrence at Owl Creek Bridge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, which, at least in the sense that, spoiler alert... The whole game takes place in the protagonist's final moments before he dies. Yes. So, uh, and there's also, I guess they were trying to work on another game that got canceled that was called Come Midnight. Oh, yeah. And then some of that got rolled into some of this, although I couldn't really find any details on it. Uh Uh-huh. I don't really know what that was going to be. Yeah. I don't know. This Um, game's got a little bit of pedigree. Yeah, (laughs) it's got some interesting stuff going on. Um, Specifically, additions that were added with the um, remake or re-release... Um, was that they added more frequent autosaves. I guess in the original version, <laughs> it only let you save, or it only saved the game for you um, every time you completed a puzzle, mm-hmm. um, which sounds frustrating. Yeah. Um, well, and weird, too, I, I couldn't understand why it didn't just save whenever you quit the game. Or, like, whenever you told it to save. Yeah. Yeah, like, why have a weird <laughs> save system at all? Yeah. <laughs> um, and then the uh, other um, other th- things that were uh, added was they um, added specifically a fast travel system for the end game. Mm-hmm. I guess that wasn't part of it, which is incredible. Yeah, that's awfully nice of them. Yeah. Because <laughs> I can imagine that being a huge hassle otherwise. I mean, I probably wouldn't have beat it. Yeah. Yeah, because, like, it kind of shows you... So so the deal is, when you get to the end of the game, 
there are optional bits you could have... Well, they're not optional. They're not optional, no. There are bits you probably missed (laughs) along the way. And all you have to go off of is a rough map of the area with some symbols on it that sort of show where those events are supposed to take place. Mm -hmm. So then you have to sort of extrapolate from that to go, like, backtrack until you find whatever you have to do to satisfy that requirement. Yeah. Um... I actually lucked out. I had them all by the time oh, I really? got there. Yeah. Okay. Um, but I think that's only because I got lost a couple times and just wandered <laughs> around forever. <laughs> uh-huh. um, and then finally, I guess there, it, I couldn't find any specific details on it, but um, there, there was an interview that they did where they mentioned changing the pacing of a certain part of the game hmm. that PC uh, players specifically found too scary. Which I can only imagine is the mind segment. Yeah, that could be. Um, oh, yeah. Like if maybe if the, the ghost or whatever that's in there is chasing you constantly instead of just popping up every once in a while or something. Yeah, so. Interesting. Yeah. Um, so in terms of setting, mm-hmm. uh, this is... I mean, not given a specific, like, like American world location, but... But it's very, like, like old logging town USA, right? Like, yeah. It's out in the forest, there's a train track to get mm-hmm. there, uh, there was probably a big industry boom at some point, which is now fallen off, and it's yeah. a ghost town. Yeah, it's, it's got that sort of, like, deserted, sort of, like, uh, northwestern sort of country town feel to it. Yeah. Yeah, it, it could have been... It's it's not quite like Twin Peaks. Like, it's not really populated enough. Right. But it's... it's Or even like uh, like Possum Springs mm-hmm. from that... Uh, what, Night in the Forest? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think so. Or like whatever the town in Alan Wake was. Mm-hmm. But it's the, those same sort of like yeah. out there a bit towns that are out in the, the woods. Mm-hmm. Definitely in the Northwest. Um, and then in terms of genre... Um, this is something they called out in the uh, Wikipedia article, but specifically they were um, inspired by uh, the sort of weird fiction genre, yeah. um, which I usually think of as relating to H.P. Uh, Lovecraft. Mm-hmm. is kind of his like jam. But um, like you said, specifically uh, the occurrence at Owl Creek Bridge. Mm-hmm. And uh, you, you definitely get that in mm-hmm. the storyline, especially... Um, we'll, we'll talk about sort of how the gameplay goes and the sort of content that you run into, but there are definitely a couple of like very specifically Lovecraft inspired yeah. elements. In fact, I would say, I mean, I would say in general, until the game sort of reveals what the game is actually about, that's mm-hmm. kind of what it's leading me towards. Yes, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, so it is set sort of, it's Probably modern-ish times. Yeah. Although crucially, there's no there's no cell phones. Mm-hmm. There's no service. Yeah. Um, which is kind of an interesting thing that that I always like. Like, how possible is it to have a horror story now mm. in in the age of like cell connectivity and Wi-Fi and like there, there's people seem so much less like helpless if they can just call or text or look anything up anytime. Yeah, that's true. But Uh, I mean, like you can always have situations where those things aren't available. 
Right. That's that is always. I don't even know if that's a cop out, but that is like the way to do it <laughs> is to like reset it back to like okay, but what if they're just like out on a mountain and there's right. no cell service? Yeah. Or like, what if the ghost is haunting the phone too? <laughs> you know, like. Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you can come up with excuses. I just I always think it'd be interesting to see one that uses that is okay with having its characters have technology. Yeah, that would be interesting. And not having, you know, whatever the threat is, not having that be assuaged by it. Mm-hmm. Which maybe, that's that's probably an entirely different topic. <laughs> <laughs> um, in terms of the, the, the sort of story archetype, um, this one is interesting because, like, it it is ostensibly, like, a, sort of a horror, like, puzzle-solving game. But the way that I felt like it presents the story to you... Um, runs much closer to like like almost a detective story. Mm-hmm. You know, you are Paul Prospero, right? <laughs> uh, psychic detective. Yeah, um, deal with paranormal. <laughs> um, you know, and and your character, even though that he he isn't really much of a character himself, he definitely yeah. like does have that really heavy like narrative voice every time you solve a puzzle or you know come across a story or right. something important happens in the game you always get like a little paragraph of self-narration right and i i almost feel like is okay so hard-boiled detective is definitely a term is soft-boiled uh-huh. detective because <laughs> i feel like that's what i want to use for this guy yeah because like he is that kind of self-narrating like well i you know i want the bridge was falling apart and the rocks down below looked like angry teeth that jagged. like <laughs> he'll do that that kind of like narration but also he's pretty he's pretty tame yeah like he's not bitter or cynical or anything right. he's just kind of like well you know i see this this sort of thing all the time and these kids write me letters and i come help them and uh-huh. whatever uh so that's that's kind of an interesting like tone note yeah he i feel like his narrations i mean they do have that sort of like like the sort of over the top visual um, yeah. description right. but they also Exposition? yeah uh, was, yeah anyway um <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> uh, but also um he tends to be a little bit more like philosophical i feel like that's true you know there's the section where you're walking past the um the abandoned train station he's like oh you know this place used to be bustling and then you know just like everything else man forgot about it because he found something else and yeah yeah totally fallen into disrepair <laughs> right uh, yeah, that's true. Actually, that that little comment that he makes is a pretty good characteristic like mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, <laughs> I do think that. So, in your in your capacity as a detective, mm-hmm. you are sort of reading back through the recent events in uh, Ethan, the titular character yes. Ethan Carter's life, mm-hmm. um, and his story is one a lot about escapism. Yes, like he's he's not having a great time with his family. Yeah. Uh, and he is doing basically anything he can to get away and mm-hmm. make another world for himself yeah. that is more comfortable for him. Yeah. Uh, and I think in that regard, how, okay, how long can we, can we get into this podcast before we spoil the <laughs> ending? Because I feel like <laughs> we have to talk about it at some point, right? True, true. So, should well, we rip let's, the bandaid off, or should we wait? Let's let's just go right into the story. Okay, um, and then we can talk about it. Okay, okay.
So, um, the, I mean, the story sort of sets up, you get called to the, to the area by Ethan somehow. So writes you write, a letter. Write, writes you a letter? Yeah. And then, um, on your way to find him, you witness these sort of events, um, that allow you to relive the moments of different murders, essentially. Yeah. Um, you come across various... Uh, what's revealed to be members of his family mm-hmm. um, that have been killed, and you sort of uh, figure out how how that happened. Um, and then also some things, some of the supernatural events that you find are linked specifically to like short story ideas or short stories that he's written. Right. And each of those is based on some little bit of real history, like a news article or yeah. something from the surrounding area. Yeah which sets up a really interesting sort of like layered storytelling mm-hmm. approach that sort of permeates the rest of the game. Um, but the, the way that they're leading you is that um, Ethan's family lives in, in a valley where there's some sort of like ancient unspeakable evil uh, that they refer to as the sleeper mm-hmm. um, who's locked, you know, like underground. Um, Ethan goes to a house and uh, like accidentally frees him yeah he says that he was he was playing in one of the old abandoned houses and he finds a door and he opens it right and that's when he finds the sleeper I I forget is it that the sleeper must sleep or that the sleeper must not sleep I think it's the sleeper must not because that's okay so after after this happens Ethan's family is sort of being like possessed. Yeah. Uh, the 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 influence of the the sleeper reaches out and sort of mind controls them a little bit. It seems like, particularly in certain situations or feeling certain emotions, it sort of like gets hold of them. Yeah. And they get a little more zombie like and mm-hmm. you know mumble things about the sleeper and right. try to kill Ethan. Um, specifically, <laughs> the only th- person that doesn't seem to be affected is his dad. Yeah. Um, which I think, I think that's is true. interesting. Uh, but like his his brother, well, I guess his grandfather is his grandfather either. can seems like he can fight it mostly. Yeah, I think that uh, your guy even makes some comment about like sometimes the old are better at resisting, you know, the outside influences. Uh-huh. It's not because they're wiser; it's just because they're too tired to blah blah blah. Like <laughs> he's got a whole whole <laughs> thing about it. <laughs> um, so all of this, you you know, you piece together these murders and you kind of follow a trail. Um, up until um, Ethan decides that the only way to uh, to lock the sleeper back away is to burn down the house that he yeah. uh, let it out of. Right. So you come across the house, um, and then you go down into the basement, um, and what you when you find Ethan, um, you kind of have this. I don't know, sort of like revelatory moment mm-hmm. um, where you see a flashback from his perspective. Um, and what it is, is it's his like family in the basement and his brother is like making fun of him for always, you know, being so invested in fantasy and, right. and his uncle is being mean. Um, his, his mom has a giant like lamp. Yes. Um, and I think... <laughs> At, at one point, one of the characters is even like, "Be careful with that lamb." Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and then they're like, you know, they're like yelling at him and being like, "Why can't you be more like a normal person?" Blah right. blah blah. 
Um, she accidentally knocks the lamp over um, and s- sets the house on fire. Yeah. Um, they try to escape, um, and then Ethan locks himself in the basement. Yeah. Yeah, basically because the fire is in between him and the way out, the door closes, and he's locked in the basement while the house is on fire. Right. So he suffocates. Right. And that's where you come in. (laughs) Right. So, and this is kind of where I'm not exactly sure how it articulates, but it seems like in the moments before he dies, he somehow, like, creates your character. Yeah. Sets up these situations that, again, are either based on, like, short stories that he's written or, like, like a, a more palatable like, fantasy world that he imagines. Because that's the other thing, is you are actually, like, one of his characters, too. Like, he's been writing, you know, The Adventures of Paul Prospero. Right. Um, You are perhaps his final fantasy. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Um, And so, so your job is to find him... And, like, give him permission to die? Yeah. Like, to kind of come to terms with the reality of the situation. Like, he imagines a whole thing where he's been sort of, like, unfairly persecuted by his family. Who has been possessed by an evil, like, presence and all this stuff. When, in reality, they were just sort of, like, inconsiderate. Yeah. And now he's dying alone in a room like it's not it's not a very like it's a very sad ending for him so he's kind of he just has to come to terms with that i think yeah and once he's imagined his his you know paul prospero character coming through to rescue him he gets to the logical end point which is well the fictional character is clearly not going to actually rescue him right because he is fictional right so yeah yeah I, i think that's that's where you end up okay and then he dies, right? <laughs> and then he dies, yeah. Okay. He definitely dies at the end. Okay. And you, Paul Prospero, cease to exist because you never existed except in his head anyway. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So that's, I mean, that's the story. Yeah. Um, I did notice there's a couple, so like, um, your, Ethan's father mm-hmm. is bullied by his older brother. That's true. In kind of the same way that Ethan is bu- bullied by his older brother. Mm, that's interesting. Um, yeah, because there's a whole thing. Uncle Chad right, you know, yeah. is is the dick who's sort of like trying to run things. Well, that's actually kind of hard to say because a lot of that is just Ethan's like characterization of it. Yeah. But I think it is telling that he, he casts his father and uncle's relationship in the same way that he sees his and his brother's relationship. That's true. And you've got like his mom is what's what's a good what's what's a less I think she's gender fraught term. She's well meaning, but she doesn't know how to like connect with him. Yeah. Because there are a couple of parts when you're in the uh when you're going through the house puzzle where every time you step into a room you hear a different piece right. of dialogue. And there's a couple of dialogues between, like, uh, her and her husband that sounds like, you know, like, she wants to, like, understand or connect. She just doesn't, like, know how to or can't seem to get through to him. Yeah. I think... That's, that's a fair way to characterize I think it. there's specifically a part where... where she, you find, like, a note or something that's, like, she she got really mad and, like, yelled at him 
and then like left and came back and felt bad about it or something. Right. And actually, I don't know, like I read that I I wanted to be more sympathetic towards her, but it seemed like a lot of her behavior was kind of like like oh see what you made me do yeah. a lot, which yeah, that's is true. shitty. Um is is winnowing a good word for like where you just like wear someone down by like getting after them repeatedly. I think or, like heroin. So. I, I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, she like her her <laughs> husband, Ethan's dad, you could probably say is henpecked. No, oh, probably that's a good term. <laughs> yeah, he's he's very uh like diminutive and yes. uh doesn't stand up for himself. Yeah. Doesn't stand up for Ethan as much as he probably should. Yeah. The grandfather is sort of like Ethan's main ally. Yeah. Um, but even he, you know, is kind of like two generations removed and he's Ethan's father's father. Mm -hmm. So he doesn't have the same like power position that Ethan's mom and older brother do. Yeah. Which is this whole weird family power dynamic stuff going on. Yeah. But it made especially interesting by the fact that what you see of Ethan's family dynamics is suspect because it's all the way that Ethan has chosen to fictionalize it right. for his Lovecraft narrative that he's imagined for himself. True. Which is super interesting. Although, I mean, like, I feel like even in that, in, in that characterization, like, you see maybe the truth of it in, like, that final flashback, right? You yes, know? for sure. So, like, the... <clears throat> The, the way that those characters act in his fictionalized version is accurate, too. Possibly the only time we see, like, a real piece of their interaction. Yeah. Yeah. They're definitely... They're not as vicious in real life as right. he imagines them to be, but those sentiments are clearly still there. Mm -hmm. Also, you, we do get, like, the notes that yeah. he and his family have left behind to each other, and I think those are probably real. Mm -hmm. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> and as far as, like, character growth goes... Um, I feel like this is another one of those games, uh, kind of like we were talking about for Fire Emblem, is you don't really, you don't control the course of the story. No. Like, you are really just there to watch it unfold. Yeah. You don't get to, there's no interactive dialogue choices, the, 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 the you can't get, like, a bad ending and a good ending, as right. far as I know, like, you just play through and see what happens. Mm -hmm. So, as far as character growth goes, uh, Unless you count, like, Ethan's acceptance of his own death at the end, yeah. I don't think that any of them ever really have and any time to do that. Even maybe, I mean, again, within the, like, metafiction of the game, maybe, like, his dad yeah. in the very end before he's That's right. himself. Uh, he does slice his own neck. He, uh, he kills their mom. Oh, yeah, that's right. Because uh, he realizes that she's been possessed and is beyond saving. Yeah. And then, yeah, he kills himself to prevent Ethan's older brother from killing him. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, like, he kind of gets some growth stuff. Yeah, he does sacrifice. He is self-sacrificing at the end. Mm -hmm. He actually ends up standing up to the uncle, the mom, and the older son. Yeah. Credit for credit for the father. <laughs> <laughs> um, but other than that, you're right. It, it it's less about like, uh, like a like a character arc and more of like a narrative arc. Yes, definitely. Uh, to talk about gameplay. Yeah, because that's I mean like other than the story, the gameplay is a big, well, kind of big part of the game. Right, and actually maybe let's let's I want to say for the record that I really liked the story in mm -hmm. this game. I was really invested in it. Like, it was riveting. 
which is good because I, I, I think it had to be for this game because the story is most of what's going on. Yeah, right? yeah. Uh, so that's nice. Uh-huh. <laughs> Kind of in describing the flow of the game, um, you, I would say that there's kind of two different modes mm -hmm. that the game plays out in. Um, there's your sort of free roaming, uh, perhaps more traditionally walking simulator bits of the game. Right. Uh, that's where you're trying to move from a location to another location. Um, and then there are specific, like, puzzle areas. Right. So that would be, like, when you're solving the murders or, like, just solving normal-ass adventure game puzzles. Right. Well, because basically there are two kinds of scenarios that you run into. There are stories that Ethan has written. Right. Well, they're all stories that Ethan wrote. <laughs> but there are, like, specifically little short stories, right. little fantasies that Ethan had versus the main overarching story of how each of his family died. Right. Um, and the way that those work... Um, so the the short story bits are usually you just um, interacting with an object and that will trigger mm -hmm. either like a cutscene or like an area for you to move through. Right. Um, and that's about it. Um, yeah. But for the murder sequences, usually um, they're triggered by you finding a body. Yeah. Um, and then as you move around that environment, you'll find different things, you know, a splash of blood, a missing pair of scissors, a, right. you know, a bucket full of crow's blood. And then once <laughs> you've identified all of these elements, sometimes you have to put items back in place. Um, then you go back to the body and you touch it and uh, it sort of switches to like sort of a, like a ghost world where everything is washed out um, and then it will give you specific like interaction points um, that from like the murder scene right like like snapshots like scenes yeah from that sequence um, I, I imagined that you know like how in uh, like police shows or like uh, specifically sort of like evidence procedurals, they'll put down the little like number markers. I, yeah. I imagined it like that. Like this right. would be, you know, number one. And and then the screen like flashes and it shows <laughs> the person being like, how dare you? Right. You know what I'm going to do to you? And then it switches back. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then you um, you have to order those scenes in, in order from beginning to end. And then it'll play through the whole thing. Right. Yeah. I, I guess I, let's see, I had... Um, during a murder scene, you replace lost items, you manipulate machinery, mm -hmm. you examine the body, you retrace the victim's final moments, and then you put all the pieces in order to, to watch through. Basically like a little cinematic yeah. of like shot by shot what led up to this dead body being here. Mm -hmm. And it usually ends with some sort of direction for where you're supposed to go next. Yeah. Either Ethan is running away in a direction or one of the characters make a, makes a reference to going somewhere yeah. that kind of like pushes you in that direction to find the next scene. Mm -hmm. um, on the other hand, when you're not figuring out what happened to dead bodies, you are figuring out what happened in Ethan's stories that he wrote. Right. Um, and in those ones... You, you can usually, you move through the landscape, like you're, you're exploring or you're chasing something or you're mm -hmm. running away from something. Uh, there might be like combination lock style puzzles that you have to solve by looking at the environment. Uh -huh. um, eventually, once you sort of go through the steps for that fantasy, 
it reveals some sort of like set piece. Like you're you're yeah. taken somewhere that's like a fantastical scene that you find yourself in the middle of, mm-hmm. um, and the only way you can escape from it is finding Ethan's original story plus the little like news article clip yeah. that inspired it. And then once that happens, you snap back to reality and you see sort of what actually surrounds you. Mm-hmm. And that is usually just whatever Ethan could sort of cobble together to look like what he was imagining. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So one of the, like, the second one that you find maybe is the the wizard, the alchemist or mm-hmm. whatever story. Yeah. Which is like, oh, the, the wizard lives in the hills and the people didn't like the wizard, so they burned his house down. Yeah. But then, I, I don't know, there's, there's a whole thing... Yeah. And then it ends up that that story was inspired by Ethan reading a news article about bootleggers in mm-hmm. the hills who, you know, he thought of their, like, stills or whatever as kind of, like, alchemical setups. Yeah. And in the very end, once you figure all that out, you realize you're in a room that just has sort of, like, the leftovers from these stills, like yeah. these canisters and beakers and stuff and the news clipping. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you get to do that, like, five or six different times, maybe? Yeah. Uh, and... Those were actually the parts that I enjoyed the most about the game. Mm. Um, what was really striking to me and what was just like ceaselessly impressive to me is that, okay, so from the beginning, uh, you don't realize until the very end, or at least like you're not explicitly told until the very end that you are also a story yeah. that Ethan wrote. Mm-hmm. So throughout it, you know, the, the conceit from the very beginning is that you are a supernatural detective looking mm-hmm. for something supernatural right. that's been causing all this stuff. And every time you find one of Ethan's stories, it's another supernatural scenario. So yeah. every time I kept thinking like, oh, like, this is it. Like, oh, like, you know, the first one you find, oh, God, it's a- or the... The second one is the alien. Uh huh. You know, oh, yeah, right. It's aliens. It's been aliens. Oh, okay, fine. It's not aliens. Like, oh, no, it's this wizard. No, like, no, it's not the wizard. <laughs> and, like, you know, eventually, especially once you got to the Lovecraft one, mm-hmm. the mine, I was like, oh, fuck, yeah. Like, right. this, this is the, you know, the deep evil that's under the ground that Ethan woke up and like you have to go through a whole thing to get to it and you open the portal and it like you know tentacles are coming through the portal and you get warped to the underwater world and you're like shit I'm in another one of Ethan's stories like every time I kept getting wrapped up in it and then realizing like nope this is not really what's happening either yeah and that's why, like, I was absolutely delighted at the end when I, when I realized that, like, oh, no, like, it's never been real. I've been yeah. in this story the whole time. Yeah. Like, in a larger sense, in the same way that in a smaller sense, I've been finding myself in that situation over and over throughout the game. Uh-huh. Which I, I thought that was great. Yeah, that is really cool. And, and it seems really out of nowhere. But I guess in hindsight, like you said, the game has kind of been doing that the whole time. Yeah. And the more, like, it definitely leans on it being a supernatural story, it also proves to you each time you encounter those that it's actually very grounded in reality. Yeah. Um, and that that <laughs> is pretty clever. Yeah. The, uh, as far as, like, the, the controls that you use to navigate that stuff, I don't know, I tried it laptop and like on the keyboard and on controller it's, mm-hmm. it's fine yeah i mean it's pretty simple like very very bare bones you don't even have a ui like there's no no, no HUD. head yeah heads up display <laughs> um basically anytime you can interact with something uh there's like a floating superimposed prompt yeah for it you walk up and you press a button yeah and you do the thing yeah um 
There are a couple of vehicles in the game. Right. Uh, one of them's like a rail car that you have to restart, and the other one's like a mining car. But those are really simple, just like, you know, do the thing and then either go forward or backward. Mm-hmm. You know, there's nothing complex about that. Yeah. Those were... The vehicle controls, I feel like, were handled a little bit awkwardly. Yeah. Just because you had to, like, you had to approach it, you had to click the button to first step into the cab. Mm-hmm. And then you had to use the, the controls to move forward or backwards and then step out of the... Like, yeah. stepping in and out was a separate action that I didn't feel true. like needed to be there. But aside from that, it's... I mean, I feel like that's a small complaint. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then other than that, like, you're really just... I, I felt like um, the mouse was maybe a little bit more sensitive than I was expecting. Oh, yeah. um, I found it a lot easier to actually play on the control. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I, was, I, I was feeling... Um, like, when I was using the mouse to look around, like, my character was just, like, whipping around too fast, <laughs> which, yeah. like, isn't actually an issue for the game. But in, and we can talk about this a little bit in the in the audio specifically, but in a game that's very, like, heavily atmospheric, um, like, I didn't ever want to feel like I was missing something. Yeah. You know, or, like, that I would you know, turn around and, like, see something and not be able to find it again. Right. <laughs> um, so. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and I know that there is actually, um, they they released this DLC uh, uh, um, VR version oh. of it as well. I can imagine that being pretty cool. Yeah. What about, uh, like, difficulty? I don't, so the, the thing that I struggled with the most, um, just because I feel like it was a little bit, um, obtuse was the um, gate puzzle. Oh yeah. Um, so the the puzzle is you go down into the mines, um, and there's like the only jump scare in the game, which yeah. is awful. <laughs> right. Um, it's also the only time there's ever any sort of threat to you in yeah. the game, which we can talk about after this. But um, but what you're trying to do is walk around and find. Uh, dead bodies which reappear on a grid essentially which is supposed to be your solution for the puzzle but the way that they're organized doesn't make it readily obvious uh, yeah. so what you're doing is you're trying to sort of like align a stargate kind of thing it's right. a big set of rings that you can rotate to um face certain symbols what you're trying to do is align a sequence of symbols as they as they appear on the grid, but the problem is the miners when they reappear on the grid aren't like in a straight line. Yeah, they're like all over the place. Yeah. Um. So, I was having a, a hard time figuring it. It doesn't like indicate at all to you that your the the symbols like in the middle are the only ones that mattered. Right. I thought their positioning on the grid actually was. Oh. important to where they were on I the see. ring. Yeah. Know? I definitely had to fiddle with that a few times before I got it right. And I think I even... I think I ended up figuring it out without getting one of the guys even. Oh, really? Well, just because, like, there's only so many options. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it oh, was yeah. probably the only part that I actually, like, had a hard time with. Yeah. Um, that and the... Um, I feel like the, the house puzzle was cool, but, like, kind of annoying. It was a little bit tedious, yeah. yeah. It it actually worked like did you did you end up doing it in the order that it intended where you did like the main house first and then the secret no. house okay 
I, I again, I think I stumbled across it in just the right order. Okay. So I had just gone through Ethan's house. The way it works for people who don't know um, <laughs> is that you go through Ethan's house, mm-hmm. and in each room, each abandoned room, uh, you hear a little snippet of conversation about Ethan, usually yeah. between his parents or between whoever. And then you go to the neighboring house and you fall into one of Ethan's fantasies where doorways are outlined in blue and when you walk up to them, you can click a button to choose which room that doorway links to Mm -hmm. and you need to go through all of these door portals and correctly line up which room goes where each time Yeah, in accordance to the way it's laid out in Ethan's actual house. Right. And I think I just like I'd just gone through it, so mm. it was fresh enough that I I had to restart it a couple times, but yeah. like it worked out okay. But yeah, like that's especially if you didn't do it in that order. Yeah, I mean, I really just yeah, I just brute forced it. Cause, right. You know, you use the like lighting as a clue, but that's yeah, that, about it. That does help. <laughs> Maybe there could have been some sort of assist with it. Yeah. Well, it, it's strange i mean like it's the first house that you come across as you come across the bridge right it is it's immediately to the left and i don't know i i I was already worried that maybe i was missing stuff which i definitely was (laughs) so i figured i'd just you know do everything in this area and then move on right instead of you know whatever else yeah and it is i mean it's a pretty open world yeah for the most part like I th- I don't even know. Maybe, like, the one... Well, are there any, like, real gates? Um, you can't get to the... The, um... The dam, lower dam area until you go through the mines the first time. That is true. Because there's that service elevator that takes you back up. Right. But once you've done that, uh, basically the whole map is open to you. Yeah, and even that, I don't think you have to... Like, you could just walk from the beginning of the game to the lower dam area, right? Without doing anything. Because, okay, so the... On the way through... Past the houses, mm-hmm. on the way to the gate to the mine, like there's a there's a big like heavy like bars blocking the ways to the mine. Yeah. But after you do the murder scene in the like the crypt area, mm-hmm. um, it says, "Oh, Ethan went through like the side passage yeah. that bypasses that little area." So even if you didn't get that clue, you could still find it on your own. Yeah, that's true. Right? It's not like the door doesn't exist before that happens, or yeah. like it's not open until then. Mm-hmm. So in in keeping to that open world sort of a approach, uh, it does it does mean that you can miss things, and you can get things in the wrong order. Like, yeah. it's very possible to do that. Yeah. They don't do a lot to prevent you from doing that. Yeah. Um, luckily, I would say that the, um, the murders are all really well... Um, laid out in that it's pretty hard to not get those yeah like one after another and they they sort of leave marks on their environment yeah. like like the like the clues that you're looking for to solve what happened in that murder are spread across a pretty wide area mm-hmm. so it's pretty easy to just wander around and stumble across one yeah just because they're they're so ubiquitous i guess mm-hmm. yeah definitely um the the short stories are the ones that i kind of had an issue with I I appreciate their inclusion inclusion, but um, it didn't seem so like like we were talking about at the end of the game. Um, once you get to that map, if you haven't seen every scene, mm-hmm. then you can't progress to the like end of the game. Right. 
which seems really weird to me because I feel like the, and, you know, maybe this is just me, um, but I feel like the, the appeal of having an open world is the idea of non, of things not being essential. You right. know, you can go around, you can, you can witness whatever you witness, you can miss things. I, th- I think a really, you know, good way to build in sort of a compelling uh, replayability would be like, okay, maybe you got through the game and you only saw like half of the things there are to see. Mm-hmm. That's fine. You just get an incomplete understanding right. of the ending. Right. You know. Yeah, I don't think that, that every single one of Ethan's fantasies was necessary for the conclusion of the game. Right. But they do make you go through everyone before yeah like specifically <laughs> specifically i got to the end of the game and then i was missing uh the alien one and mm-hmm. the trap one. Oh yeah <laughs> and those are right at the beginning of the game right you don't really know to look for things yeah like. yeah or the only thing you do know to look for is the dead bodies right right well and again like i feel like it's really easy i because the the game sort of leads you on a specific path. Yeah. You know, it's really easy to walk right past those. Yeah. That, the the sort of, like, path-leading aspect of it was kind of striking to me that I, I think they did a pretty good job of that for the most part. Like, they definitely move you through, like, the story that they want to tell you, mm-hmm. but they also mess it up in those instances where you're supposed to go off the beaten path. Right. And they don't really they don't really do a good job of training you to do that. Yeah. In fact, there's a lot. I mean, it takes place in like a wilderness environment. There's you know, but when you can't walk in a direction, it's because like uh, the rocks are too big there, right. or like there's a cliff, or mm-hmm. like the trees are too close together. Um, but in the same way that that in Skyrim, like oh, if you if you like jump at the right angle on mountains long enough, maybe you can climb an entire mountain you're uh-huh. not supposed to. Like it, it doesn't. It does a good job of discouraging you from trying those kind of tricks, which also means that you don't try exploring that much because you sort of learn that you you just get walled off by impassable trees or whatever. Right, right. Well, and I feel like specifically for me, um, like this was actually a pretty like scary game for me to play. (laughs) Like... as soon as I, like, I had a hard time playing it by myself at night. Yeah. And then, like, as soon as I got to the mines, I was like, nope, nope, <laughs> there has to be sunlight and lights on and other people in the house. Yeah. Um, so, like, maybe, I mean, like, maybe it was just sort of my, like, psychology as I was playing it, but, like, straying off the path does not seem like the right thing to do. Yeah, that's Like, true. this is a scary game, like, I should be staying in the safest areas as possible. Right. Like, I don't want to walk off into the woods. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just want to, you know, walk down the road right. to the next thing. Yeah, it's true. It is, it's interesting. So, yeah, like, I thought it was a pretty tense, like, like game in, in the same way that maybe, like, Amnesia mm-hmm. is. Yeah. Like, there's just a lot of implied threat all the time. Like, yeah. you're always worried that something is going to happen right. to you. And I think that this game is particularly interesting because nothing ever happens to you. Right. Even, except for that one guy in the mine. And <laughs> even he doesn't actually do anything to you. He, he like, jumps up in front of you, like, does a little, like, spooky animation, like, and yeah. then you're, you're kicked back to the start of the mines. Right. Like, that that little bit actually really reminded me of that Five Nights at Freddy's. Oh, yeah. You know, where, like, the, the, the animal thing catches you and then, like, pops out uh-huh. and, like, scares you and then it resets. So, like, it was the same thing here. Like, the zombie guy, like, pops up from the bottom of the screen uh-huh. 
and scares you for a second and then resets. And even him, like, after I got caught a couple times by him, I was like, oh, like, I see, I see what to do. Yeah, it's not, well, and it was so weird, like, even that thing existing in the Mm -hmm. first place, like, it's, it's interesting, it's a lot like, uh, mist in the sense that you, like, never encounter another person. Right. Um, so having that other, like, entity, um, was really weird. So I, like, walked up to him the first yeah, time. Yeah, no, me too. I was like, oh, who's this guy? Yeah. And he was like, blah! <laughs> no! Oh, God. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, I think that the mist comparison is actually really apt. Like, you, you really are just sort of passively walking around in a world that only contains you. Yeah. And mostly just has sort of, like, memories of other Mm. people being there. Or maybe even, like, Riven is a better comparison. Because I feel like that game is a little bit more about, like, isolation. Yeah. Yeah. And and it is also atmospheric in a way that Mist, I feel like, isn't. Mm -hmm. Like, specifically, like, scary. Riven Riven was a lot more um, of a... What's a good way to put this? like a complete experience like everything sort of fits into the same aesthetic and the same sort of atmosphere the whole time whereas mist was more like a handful of things that you could jump between that's true you know since it was sort of broken up into the different ages yeah each one had sort of a different thing going on yeah uh and also riven does have some sort of more legitimately scary moments Mm -hmm. although i guess mist has a couple to uh like the electric cage thing that you find at the monkey thing in it yeah that's true um yes (laughs) So, we're so off topic, I have no idea. A difficulty uh, curve. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Do we have to say anything more about it? It's It was pretty easy. Yes. It, I never felt like I was... I only got stuck one time, mm-hmm. and that was in the lower dam area to get to the final house. Oh, okay. I could, I, I could tell what I was supposed to do. I just missed that... Uh, that I had to cross the river at a certain point. Yeah, that also confused me, because it doesn't it doesn't make it immediately obvious what turning the valve does. Right, and it also lets you continue off to that other That's side the part for I don't a little get. bit. Yeah, like why like keep that crossing was on the other the side of the thing river? Thing you were supposed to do. Yeah, and there's nothing over there. No, <laughs> that part's a little bit weird. Yeah. Uh, video graphics? Very good. Yeah, really good. I mean, like, the character models are great. Yeah. But everything else, like, it's very clear that there was a lot of care and dedication put into uh, making all of the environments seem very realistic. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that there's, there's only a couple little, like, clipping glitches that mm-hmm. I ran into. I actually said the same thing. Human being models aren't particularly good. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're all like sort of lumpy potato people, except for Ethan, yeah. who is only different because he's small. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. Did you did you see anything from the Unreal 3 version? No. I don't really Dear. know what the difference would be graphically. Right. Um... I didn't even, you know, I, I, I ended up playing it on my laptop, which is not quite as good with graphic stuff as mm-hmm. my desktop, but I didn't get around to trying it on my desktop, so I haven't even really seen it at full <laughs> quality or anything. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah, no, it was, I don't know what else to say about it. Like, it was, it was pretty good looking. It, it's very good looking, <laughs> and I think 
Um, something I think we end up hitting on a lot of times in games that we enjoy is um, sort of all of the all of the elements of the game being tied into the like central themes or experience of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is definitely a case where the graphical presentation really ties you into the the atmosphere of the game. Yeah. You know, since it does look realistic and believable, um, it doesn't, like, sort of... It, it helps to uh, immerse you in the setting and the, the action of the game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, music? Music. Uh, well, actually, so before music, okay. just from an audio standpoint... Voice acting was not the best. Mm. Uh, I think, like, the grandpa in particular had some really, like, weird affect to his, his lines a few times. Huh. Where he would, I don't know, he would deliver a line that should have been, like, really heavy and, like, important. But it looked like he was just reading it for the first time with no context <laughs> off a piece of paper, you know? Yeah. Uh, I actually kind of, I, I made a note that I think the, uh, the voice acting is the weakest point in the mm. game. Just because... Yeah, I mean, like, I think Paul is very well voice acted. Yeah. And then everybody oh, else yeah. kind of... They're all such caricatures anyway. Yeah. That they all sort of read like they're, like, like, like early 2000s cartoon people yeah. that sound exactly <laughs> the way you would expect yeah. them to sound, you know, yeah. which gets the point across or whatever. But it could have definitely been finessed a little bit more. Yeah, definitely. Actually, it almost makes me wonder if maybe that was not one of their main folks. Like, if they kind of were like, well, maybe we'll get back to the voice acting (laughs) later, you know, once we have the entire game put together. Yeah, that that could be. Uh, But the music. The music was good. Yeah. Um, Very understated, but, you know, worked again to sort of reinforce the, the sort of uneasy atmosphere. Of the yeah. Game. And it was contextual. Mm-hmm. Like it would yeah. shift into different pieces that sort of bled into one another, depending on the setting and mm-hmm. the, the feeling of the scene or whatever, which I always appreciate. Yeah, definitely. Um, and it, and it ranges, um, pretty, pretty, uh, widely from, you know, very calming, sort of relaxing. You're walking through the woods, nothing's wrong. Music right. to, you know, the, the music in the, uh, yeah, the crypt area, which was kind of sort of spooky church music, or right. the underground uh, mine music was, you know, sort of sinister and yeah, sort of like uh, string heavy, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, yeah, I, I think that this one is maybe the first one since Senua's Sacrifice, where I felt like having headphones and like really mm-hmm. being plugged into the audio is really important to the experience. Like, yeah. it, it definitely aids immersion or whatever. Yeah. Uh, it was it was composed by a guy named Mikolaj Strowinski. Yeah, I think he did a good job. Yeah, he did a great <laughs> job. Um, do you have any memorable pieces? Mm, no. no. Although I gotta admit, it's now it's been like weeks since I played. Yeah, it. that's true. Um, that is the other. Have we mentioned so far that it's a quick game? Uh, no, I don't think we have. It's a quick game. It is a quick game. <laughs> um, it's like five and a half hours, I think. Yeah. So. Uh, and I don't think that's bad. No. Uh, I don't remember. 
I definitely got it on some sort of sale. Yeah, we got it, it on like the fifteen or twenty bucks maybe summer sale. I think. Um, and I don't, like I I try not to count hours versus dollars too much yeah. just because I feel like that's unfair. Yeah, like a really good experience that's short is still worth the money. Right. Compared to a hundreds of hours experience, that's okay. Like it's yeah, it's it's different things. <laughs> Especially, I mean, when you take into consideration, you know, how big the development team yeah. size was. Um, for twenty dollars, might be a little bit much. Yeah, I don't know. I I still think. I mean, yeah, <laughs> that's true. Having having said that, sixty bucks probably would be too much to pay for it. <laughs> Yes. Um, I definitely feel like I am more willing to give smaller teams or, or indevelopably, in, indevelopably, uh, <laughs> individually developed games or uh, indie games mm-hmm. um, more leeway with higher prices than I am like yeah. bigger studios. Right. Because it's kind of in our best interest to like, help those people out, <laughs> right. basically. Yeah. 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 And, I mean, again, like, this this is a complete presentation. I think probably the best way to play this game is in one setting. Right? I think so, too. Like, to it's sit totally down doable. and play, you know, just get through all five hours of it. Right. And then you have the whole, like, complete story. And yeah. You're not taken out of it at all. Right. And I actually, I really appreciate games like that. Yeah. Like, I love having kind of, like, bite-size or, I don't know, meal-size games. (laughs) Yeah, where you can just play it in a day Mm -hmm. and absorb it all at once. Yeah. Feel bad good, bad, or ugly. I like it. Me too. I, I think really it's good. like it. Um, <laughs> like I said, it was really scary. Um, but, yeah. but a lot of fun. And, you know, specifically, I would love to see the um, investigation mechanic used in an actual, like, detective game. Yeah. Like, I don't know, like a Paul Prospero spin-off series. Right. <laughs> that would yeah, be there's, cool. Yeah, there's no reason Ethan couldn't have imagined other scenarios for yeah. to investigate. Yeah. I really, I liked how well they did the sort of, like, cosmic horror angle. Mm -hmm. Like, I want to see them make some good Cthulhu games. Right. That's the (laughs) other thing is, like, as much as I'm okay and appreciate the ending the way it stands, like, I also would have liked whatever the ending for the actual, like, metafiction story would have been. Yeah. No, me too. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and I feel like Lovecraft games are so... There's lots of people that have sort of tried, mm-hmm. but I don't feel like there's been like a really solid game that covers that ground for a while now. Isn't There's like a new one they're making. They're making a one that's like specifically Call of Cthulhu. Uh, there's the Dark Corners of the Earth one. That's the closest that I've seen a game come, I think. Um, s- spoiler alerts for people who haven't played Bloodborne, but Bloodborne actually takes very heavy, <laughs> heavy uh, Lovecraft influence yeah. towards the end. Yeah. Uh, and actually, even... I mean, there are... Well, yeah, there, there's, there's lots of games that have elements of it. But yeah. as far as just like faithfully reproducing a H.P. Lovecraft Call of Cthulhu experience mm-hmm. in video game form. 
uh, I feel like this it'd be really interesting to see what this studio would do with that. Yeah, definitely. What what about the na- <laughs> what was the name of the game? The Vanishing of Ethan Carter. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Which is undoubtedly the name of the story of the letter that oh, yeah, Ethan totally. wrote to Paul. The, that that's that's the name of Paul Prospero's last case. <laughs> yeah. The Vanishing of Ethan Carter. Yeah, definitely. Um, <laughs> Do you have any, like, room for improvement notes? I would have appreciated a map. Yeah, me too. I think, even at the beginning of the game, and I don't think it would have been too ridiculous to include it. So, like, the things that I would have really liked as I was playing would be a map, Mm -hmm. um, and then, like, a logbook or something. Yes. Like... You know, this guy is a detective. Why is he not keeping notes about everything? Yeah, so, taking Polaroids. Like, right. Yeah. Um, so, like, something, yeah, where you would, like, maybe keep, like, have a page for each family member. Mm-hmm. You know, and then as you progress throughout the game, those fill themselves out. Right. So, by the end, you have a more complete understanding of, yeah. you know, what's going on. Um, and I think even, like, I feel like the world of the game supports that. Like, just the map that you see at right. the end that Ethan has made could be the map that you've been filling out the whole time you're playing. Right. Like, that's a missed opportunity. Because you're a character in the yeah, story. Right. <laughs> yeah, that could be, a, like, a major aha moment. Yeah. Um, I also... There's... there. I mean, there's no reason you can't... You shouldn't be able to manually save. Yeah. That's stupid. All the time. <laughs> Uh, yeah, there was definitely a couple times. So my my laptop was also kind of in its death throes as I was yeah. playing through it. So there's a couple times where I just like walking from place to place gets so tiresome. Yeah. Uh, so like I had to go all the way back to the beginning of the game because I remembered seeing one of the traps, mm. and then at some point it clicked that like oh that's part of a, a bigger thing that I have to complete. But that meant that I had to walk all the way back, like, up to the town, and then across the dam, and then through the woods, and uh-huh. then up the train track, and then across the train bridge. Yeah. Uh, being able to fast travel would have been a great way to deal with that, even if it was just between a few key points. Yeah. Um, like, a few hubs that you could have gotten to the rest of the things from. Mm-hmm. And also being able to save whenever would have meant that when my computer crashed en route, I didn't have to start the entire journey over again. <laughs> well, and I think, I mean, we touched on it earlier, but I, th- I think that, that making those all of those scenes necessary for completing the game is a mistake. I think so, too. Um, I, I just, I don't, it doesn't feel necessary. Uh, it, or, like, it's, it's additive but not like crucial mm-hmm. you know i think if i were being cynical about it uh i would read that as being a little bit self-indulgent for the yeah. developers like they think they want you to see all of the content that they've made right but they're ham-handed about how they're making you do it yeah uh which is a shame yeah um yeah and i mean like there are a couple of easy ways i, I don't easy ways but like different <laughs> ways to fix that i as much as i know that like the the like the delineation between like the puzzle solving scenes or murder solving scenes and just the the quiet time the downtime is important yeah you know it has to be there to sort of build that atmosphere right but i don't think there has to be so much of it yeah. Like, even even the time that you spend, like, getting from the first murder to, like, 
the small collection of houses across the dam yeah. is a lot of time. It's an oddly long time. Like, it's it's the sort of amount of time that makes you wonder what you're missing. Right. And it... To be fair, like, you are missing you're two missing things. The, yeah, right. So, <laughs> but you have no way of knowing that. Yeah, and that's, that's sort of the frustrating part. Yeah. Also, like, when I had to go back and do the trap part, that was just annoying because conceivably, if you get it in the right order, like, you could hit one trap and be like, oh my gosh, I have to go over this way, right. and then, like, accidentally, you know, get the other ones. But if you get to the end of the game and figure out you haven't done it, then you just have to, like, wander around in circles yeah. until they pop up, and that's it. Right. Yeah, and, like, in my case, I had found four of them, mm. but I just missed the last one. Yeah. So I just had to keep being like, okay, like... This trap was about this distance from this other one, and this one is about this distance, so maybe there's, like, an empty spot over here right. that might have something in it. Like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that's what, what what would that, like, level design, basically? Yeah. Or, like, um, what is the practice of leading a player through your uh, level? Railroading? Yeah. <laughs> Except in a nicer way. Right. <laughs> Uh, yeah, whatever that is, uh, just making a little more, a, a little, a little harder to miss things. Yeah, and or even to that extent, like punishing players less for missing. Things. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. So I, I mean, like it could it could function one of two ways. Either nothing is essential to completing the game, right? And it really is just player exploration that drives people to find those scenes. And then you get to the end of the game and you either know what's going on or you don't. Right. Or make the scenes easier to find. Like you can't, maybe, you know, they are all along the road which you are led to throughout right. the game. Right. And then once you get to the end, if for some reason, you know, you have missed one, then you can go back and get it. Yeah. But it's not like you have to wander around in the woods for five minutes to get it. You just right. go back to the place and do it. Right. You know. And really, since since all of those are sort of like things that Ethan has created anyway, you could have you could have him leave little clues. Like mm-hmm. you can say, you know, oh yeah, you know, I spent all day today writing about my astronaut story. You know, walked twenty paces off the yeah, that's dam true. bridge and turned left at the pine tree. Or oh whatever, man. You know? Okay. So what if what if this um, at every murder site? Because the way that they're Ooh. organized. There is usually like a matching story for a murder site. Yeah. So what if what if at every murder site there was also like a like a journal page or something right. that would be That's that a really that good would idea. like point you to that optional scene. Yeah, I like that. Mm-hmm. Do you think that would be from a from a player progress standpoint? Do you think the player could get confused about whether they're being led to the next optional mm. fantasy versus to the next story scene? Maybe. You could maybe still do something to delineate that, though. I mean, but, yeah, and I feel like the murder scenes already have that, like, Ethan's moving on to another area section. Right. Whereas this would be, like, something unconnected to that. Yeah, and could have, like, a little sketched map or something to kind of... And, again, like, if your detective character is being a detective, (laughs) you could keep a little portfolio of all the pages that you've been finding. Yeah. Yeah. It's okay. That's... Room for improvement on the uh, the character, the path characters take. Yeah. Um, but other than that, I don't I don't think there's anything else I would change. Yeah. Uh, I agree. <laughs> Who would you recommend this to? 
I, I don't know. It's, there isn't, okay, so like, if, if you're the kind of person who wants to make fun of this game and, and say that like walking simulators are some sort of like bane of the industry uh-huh. and oh god I can't believe that they're making these games these days what happened to good old games that <laughs> I used to play when I was a child uh, they're probably they've already decided they're not going to like this yeah. game um, but beyond that like it's it's pretty easy yeah, and it's pretty engaging mm-hmm. um, I think again like if would mom like this game? Oh, maybe. maybe. I mean, there's no violence. Well, eh, but, okay, there is. There's no but, player <laughs> inflicted violence. Right, right. All the violence has already happened. <laughs> right. Too. I guess you see it a little bit in flashbacks. But whatever. She can watch those like Swedish detective, <laughs> whatever yeah. shows. Yeah. She can probably deal with this. <laughs> I mean, it might be too scary for her, but I think she would appreciate the story. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, dad can play it like I don't know I think a lot of people can play this game yeah definitely I think anybody that you know appreciates a strong narrative focus uh, people that specifically like you know sort of weird weird fiction stories yeah um, people that like detective stories yeah uh, you know people that like scary stuff right yeah people that like Lovecraft stuff yeah Uh, yeah I think that you know just, just by nature if what you're looking for is a challenge or strategy right. or like action right. that is not what this game is about no. you're not going to find any of those things here no. uh, and if you're willing to be okay with that then you can probably enjoy this game mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I, what was my my note is a, a lightly interactive story game with light puzzle solving and exploration aspects <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that basically covers it I think so <laughs> Um, what are we doing next time? I haven't decided yet. Okay. Uh, I, I have some suggestions, but I haven't really, I don't know. I need to make up my mind. Okay. (laughs) So, but it will be a retro game. Yes, it will be a retro game. And what, are we defining that (laughs) as like, are we saying like PS2 or earlier? Is that a good? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. I well, I won't even mention the things I'm thinking about just because <laughs> I don't know which one I'm going to pick. Okay. Uh, or at least we won't include it in the podcast. <laughs> um, if you like this episode, of course, you can subscribe uh, to the podcast, uh, leave comments on our Facebook, share uh, this podcast to other people that you think might like it, uh, give us ratings and reviews on um, various podcast medias. Um, we have a Facebook group, um, facebook.com forward slash game these games these days podcast. Um, the podcast itself is hosted through Tumblr, uh, games these days podcast.tumblr.com. Um, we're also on iTunes under games these days as well as Castbox and under games these days. Yeah. Uh, we try to do one episode a month. Yeah. Um, and every once in a while, I don't know, we'll, we'll try to find little extra bits of content to yeah. post if we find them. <laughs> um, but thanks thanks for joining us, yeah. and until next time... Brother!
Yay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Cool. Yeah, that seems pretty good. Yeah. Doop doop. Doop. Uh, read something out loud in a normal voice. Um, the, the Vanishing of Ethan Carter is a walking simulator, uh, released in 2014. Uh, it has some stuff in it. And How about stuff. a loud, forceful voice? <laughs> uh, wow, it's so crazy. There are ghosts and stuff, and you touch things. How exciting. Yeah, that's, that'll probably be good. Okay. <laughs> 